Okay, so I am, of course, excited for this, this call, like I say every week, but I really am. Um, we are, I'm trying to, I was trying to figure out the best way to format these kinds of baby step lessons because I don't want them to become redundant where people don't see the value in them. I want to make sure that they're condensed appropriately and that they're grouped together, right? And people always ask me about the science behind our topics today, behind gluten, sugar, carbs, and things like that. And while I could dedicate a Zoom specifically to each one, I think that it's more so in this case about just the concepts of replacements that you can apply to your specific baby steps. Because not everybody in here is gonna be at the same point as anybody else. Not everyone is gonna be doing their baby steps in the same order as everybody else. So um, I want you to take today, we're gonna go over some tools and concepts, but I want you to realize like that's, that I'm gonna tell you the science behind it, but really if you know how to apply these things towards one thing, it's universal. So if you have any questions, you want clarification on anything, we want some commiserating going on. And you know, like I know I always talk about verbiage and like, you know, not saying what you don't want and things like that, but I wanna get to the real nitty gritty on this call um, today. So if you are hearing something that really resonates with you, really connects with you or anything at all, don't hesitate, put it in the chat, set it to private only me if you want me to read it anonymously. Okay. <clears throat> and I am losing my, my voice, something fierce already. So I'm sorry if I sound prepubescent at some point. Okay. So today we're going to go over some of my favorite concepts for replacing, um, damn it. freaking elbow hits this standing desk thing. Anyway, today we're going to talk about replacements because conceptually, there are a few reasons why this is tough. One, it's the availability of things, you knowing what to get. Um, it's the convenience of it, overwhelm. But if I were to ask you guys, what is the hardest part of replacing things to fit your baby steps or finding different alternatives for things, cooking things differently? What is your biggest obstacle when it comes to replacing, whether it's sugar, gluten, carbs, whatever. What do you guys think is the most challenging part of that? Tell me in the chat. Availability and texture. Oh yeah. More than flavor, texture is where it's at. What else, what else guys? Time, time to prepare it, time to think about it, time to shop for it, you know? A lot of replacements taste very processed and I'm still getting used to sugar-free tastes. That's a good point there too, getting used to the sugar-free taste. So um, sugar, I'm gonna save this tidbit for a little bit. Great, let me put a note. I didn't include that in my original note, so hold on. Okay, I'll definitely cover that. It's imperative for me to plan ahead and have my staples. Mm -hmm. What was the hardest thing for you, Beth, about finding those staples, you think?
people watching the recording I was just like looking at my face on the screen like silent for <laughs> waiting for these answers um trial and error mm -hmm. energy time honoring what I'm craving yeah absolutely so the 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 issues with this stuff is ease just so happens the things that aren't as you know are, aren't not that they're not good for us but the things that literally trigger the illnesses and the hormone imbalances that we have are so common and available everywhere um that's first and foremost then at being able to know what tastes good what is a good texture which isn't gross you know mine is worrying about if it's going to hurt my stomach i think i have some gut issues yep dealing with the repercussions and fearing setbacks yeah so a bunch of it is just is food fear, let's say. I'm sorry if despite the closed door, you can still hear the drilling that is going on at my house at 8 p.m. on a Sunday. But it's all stuff that's figure outable. But the, the number one thing that is most important when you're thinking about replacing these food items is to get really focused on your why. And if you ever want consistent long-standing results your why cannot be because you want to be thinner it, it's just it, it hasn't worked yet and be smart ass no it doesn't work it doesn't work not only for you not only for me not only for us because we've got hormone issues and chronic illness i love asking this question very few people ever have anybody that that, that they can say yes to this question do you know anybody who has lost a dramatic amount of weight. I'm talking over 40 pounds, let's say. Have you ever known anyone who has dropped a dramatic amount of weight and has kept it off, maintained it for over five years? Health problems or not? Most people do not. They do not know one person for that long who's maintained it. Maybe they're in the process. Maybe they're still in year one, year two, year three. But, and it doesn't matter if they've had surgery doesn't matter if they uh, like completely they went on some you know super restricted diet like maybe they did it with weight watchers what maybe they did it with keto there's a reason there is a reason your why cannot be wanting to be thinner we're not always motivated it's just in general we're not always motivated you think you're going to give a shit about the role that's already there that you know, no matter if you eat that thing or not, that role is gonna be there in five months. If you hate that role being there so much that you're gonna restrict yourself to get rid of it, month three, you're gonna be like, nothing's happening. Because it's logical to feel that way. So before we go into these concepts, the number one thing is when you hear us harping on, it can't be about the weight loss. This doesn't mean that you're going to stay at the weight that you're at. This doesn't mean we're not going to focus on things that make the imbalance cause the weight. This doesn't mean any of that. It means that if you focus on the weight, you're going to sabotage yourself into ever getting ahead of it. But that's not, I'm not saying that like for any of you to feel like, like, I know, I know I should it. That's not helpful. Don't shit all over yourself. That's a zoom. I recommend it. Check it out. It's a really good one. Um, but don't, don't do that. I'm telling you this because it's not going to feel instinctive to feel this way. That's where the work has to go. Because in order for you to take the time to prioritize what you gotta and do it long enough to feel good about it and to, to see that it's a, a, you know, it's fitting in, it can't be something that you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. 
with because you know I'm really not going to lose any weight. You, you can't. It's, you're just going to be wrecking your own progress that way. Nobody stays consistent for looks. As much as it's what occupies our brain the most, let's be honest. Nobody stays consistent based on that alone. So to first find your why, because if that is your why, I'm not trying to shame you in any way. That is that was my why for the majority of my life, you know. And I did a lot crazier shit to try and lose weight back then. So I get it. Why do you want to be thin? Because the things people tell me, I want to feel better in clothes. Buy bigger fucking clothes. Like I'm not saying it to be mean. I'm saying it because you deserve to be comfortable in your clothes that fit you and feel nice and feel good and don't pull at seams and don't, you know, like make you feel like I should be smaller because then this wouldn't be so miserable. No, fix the thing you can fix right now, which is the un the discomfort. Um, I want to be able to have less pain, right? Fix the inflammation. If you have, if you fix your inflammation, you're going to have less pain and your body's going to have an easier time losing the weight. The weight didn't cause the pain. The thing that caused the weight is causing the pain. They're just happening simultaneously and society has done a really great job at making us blame the weight for it. But like one didn't come because of the other, it just showed up at the same time. So readjust your why. Why do you, let me ask you guys, now after hearing me say that, what's your why? Don't give me no bullshit. I want to feel better. Okay. If you didn't, you wouldn't be here. It's like taking your car to a mechanic and being like, I don't think anything's wrong. You know, of course we all want to feel better, but like, what's your why? You know, do you look in a face, the face of a little mini you and be like, I don't want you to hate yourself. I want you to like yourself and be healthy. You know, do you uh, not, are you not able to take your dog for a walk around the block? And it's really depressing to you. Like, you know, like find a why that you can attach to, like find a why that almost makes you too scared to think or say it. That's a real why the why of, I want to be thin. That's been your why for how long, how many bikini seasons come and go, how many new year, new me bullshit, you know? And so ditch it. It's not working. Didn't work for me either. I stayed on the merry-go-round forever and it didn't work. Ditch it. What is your why? Tendon pain and long-term mobility concerns. I love it. And Kat, uh, Anna, even deeper. If you have tendon pain and you have long-term mobility issues, what does that affect? Like, what, what are you avoiding having that for? It might sound like an obvious question because who wants that? <laughs> but get even deeper on it. I don't want my daughter to struggle like I have. Yep. My why is to do the thing without knowing I'm doing the thing. My why is to be the best me no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. I tell a story about a client on the calls to see if people are going to be getting into CCA. I tell this story. I don't know if you guys remember it of one client I had um, who one of her biggest wins was that for five years, she worked somewhere that was uh, she parked in a garage and she worked kind of far from her office. And every day for five years, she would stop halfway between her car and her desk to get a cup of coffee, but really to hide the fact that she was utterly winded and could not physically just walk straight to her office. Um, and then one day she just, she realized she didn't have her cup of coffee with her. And she's like, did I put it down somewhere? And she realized that she just didn't stop. She just forgot that she stopped because she wasn't tired and it just slipped her mind. 
And I feel like that is so symbolic of the energy that a lot of us want. It's not that we want to go, I mean, if you want to do this, fantastic, but it's not that we want to go be triathletes. You know, it's not that we want to go, you know, do parkour on Saturday afternoons. Like we just want to basically walk from our car to our desk without having to push ourselves mentally or take a break from being winded, you know? So be able to do the thing without knowing I'm doing the thing. That's what reminded me of that. I don't want to look back at my life and regret not being there for myself health-wise and mentally and not living my best life. Absolutely. You know, yeah, okay, there's a, all this. I got a problem with a lot of self-help talk because I don't know if this is like the neurodivergent side of me. I need there to be reality in it. Even my law of attraction practices, even my affirmations, there has to be a sense of reality to it for me to really buy into it. And there's all this talk about like, no, people are, are young way longer now. You know, like there's, you're, you're only as old as you feel. Your golden years are coming. You're not old. That's totally true. But the fact of the matter is that time does pass. So however you are on the other side of that time passing is a reality we will face one day. So doing everything you can now, not out of fear of not enjoying the end result, but out of priority of living a life that when you're on the other side of time, you feel good about, that is important. It is important. More important than bills and shit. Not that we can get away without paying those, but conceptually, they should be prioritized the same. I want to enjoy my life. I feel like I live to work, but I want to travel, hike, kayak, enjoy things I haven't for over 10 years. Exactly my point. When we're on the other side of time, do we want to have a hold back? You know, that's a huge why for me. Um, I was diagnosed with scleroderma, uh, I don't know, it's like five or six years ago now. And I surprised my doctors. They, we, we can have sometimes a eight to 10 year, like life expectancy after diagnosis. Technically, I would have issues where I'd be like in a wheelchair by now. Like that's what made my neck. Here we go. The desk is just going to keep moving. I think it was my boob that time. But, um, you know, I'm like, I have a silicone neck, you know, like I have, I have ribs that don't properly expand, you know, all this. And so the idea of time passing, why are we sitting here wasting time, feeling like shit, not taking in good moments? Why? Because we don't, we're not, we have a fold over when we sit down in jeans. Does anyone else give a shit? No. So I have to get all philosophical with y'all. Um, I want to be active again without crashing and needing a nap. I want to have even half of the energy I used to have to do the mundane tasks without them being something huge. Enjoy eating without guilt, without guilt to be full or energy to tie my shoes without holding my breath to love being in my own skin. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to do more than just get by. I don't want to just sleep, eat and work forever. And I don't want necessities to be so exhausting that I can't do the one thing that I felt led to, I felt led to do since I was 11. Yeah. So careers, life goals. I don't want to get caught up in making excuses for my size or lack of health. And I feel like there's a point where it's too late to work on it because I physically can't something I see in my family. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the saddest thing is when you have someone who, um, I had, I had a client who, 
got gastric surgery. And it was because they were at the point where they, they literally, they couldn't, once your body crosses the threshold, your lymph system doesn't work properly. You go into full metabolic disorder. You end up just gaining weight. Like, and I'm not talking our kind of gaining weight rapidly that we've seen in our lifetimes. I'm talking like it's, it's an actual, it's like a TLC special kind of problem. Right. So at that point you can't, they can't work that off, you know? So this client got the gastric surgery and I was her, I was, I was working with her while this was going on um, during recovery and everything, because it was really important for her to not let her mindset go. Um, she ended up losing a bunch of weight and going into like full renal failure really quick, like full kidney failure. At one point she ended up having to get like, um, her like surgery, something had to be redirected and redissected and everything like that. I don't remember the specifics, but she was in the hospital for probably like close to a month. Um, and then she lost a minimal amount of weight, then lost a lot of weight and things were fun and dandy, right? Just out of the blue, out of nowhere. Um, I think I said this before, right? She had to have her gallbladder removed. Um, and then it's slowly just creeping back up. So that's something that we've been working on privately for years now. Like I do, I do separate just call sessions with her and it's, it's a daily battle because she doesn't eat a lot. She had, you know, like her stomach's all types of messed up. So the frustration of how do I stop this? You know, it's real. And that's her why. Her why is that she wants to make sure that she didn't have surgery and give up, that she literally continued scratching things off the list to try and get on the other side of this. So I hope you guys have goosebumps. I definitely have goosebumps. Um, I don't know if this helped at all. <laughs> it sounds like I'm done with the Zoom, but this part, I don't know if this part helps you guys seeing that even though you're all different ages, all different backgrounds, all different, you don't even know each other, right? But how relatable is some of this stuff that you're hearing and seeing? So if, it, if it's a common problem or common enough to have multiple people here on a Sunday night talking about this, then the good news of that with that is that it's fixable. It's solvable. It's workable. We just can't get in our own way of that. So I wanted to do this before I get into the food replacing, because I want you to realize we are not doing this to be thin. So if you you know, eat something that it has gluten, sugar, carbs. You know how many times I hear sorry? People are like, I'm sorry. I, I'm like, I don't give a shit. Was it good? Did it taste good? You know, if it's only our bodies, our bodies, right? So as we talk about these, I don't want anyone to feel triggered because it's not about the weight. The weight doesn't change unless all the shit on the inside is getting fixed. That is our priority. And that's why I wanted to do our whys before we got into it. All right, so some concepts, and these are also Zooms, so you can look into them in a lot more, a lot more in depth, but mind your bite. Mind your bite. Freaking glare, really? Waited nine months for this problematic office. So <laughs> mind your bite. The idea came from my little Italian grandma. And like I said, the Zoom is far more descript, but the goal, like the, the, the lesson I took away from her was that she always closed her eyes when she ate. Not the whole time she wasn't like sitting, you know, but her first bite, whenever she tried something, she closed her eyes and she basically studied 
the flavor complex of it. Like, did she like it? Did she enjoy what was going on in that moment? You know, like, is it something she'd eat again, whatever. And at first we didn't know that we just like, I would always think it was cute that it was like a reflex. Like I do a little happy dance when I eat something I like, she would close her eyes. So one day I, I asked her why she closed her eyes when she, she goes, because I want to see, I really want to understand the flavor. I want to see if I like it. I want to savor it. I want to enjoy it. And it was, my grandmother was always a really like a heavy set lady. Um, and she loved her food and she was unapologetic about it. Like she didn't go out there, you know, like flaunting her rib. She was living her life, eating what she loved. You know, she wasn't like, it wasn't a, an issue of binging. It was just, that's how she was built. And yeah. Right. So I always was enamored with the idea that you could be like that, that you could not be thin and be honest about savoring the hell out of your food. I want to say she's probably the only healthy body image or healthy food image kind of presence in my entire life, probably, because I was surrounded by dieters. So this really stuck with me. And when it came to substitutes and replacements and things like that, always keep your mind set in check because we create so many food rules, so many stipulations, so many things like, and I'll have OCD, right? So if I'm eating something, I'm expecting it to taste a certain way, to feel a certain way. And it's off. It is off-putting to me. It is like, like, I don't know if anyone can relate to that. Like if I was expecting one thing and I get another, I don't like it probably. So the, the thing you want to remember is that each food you're trying, it's not necessarily a replacement or a substitute, meaning it's a carbon copy of that other thing. Does chicken taste like pork? But is chicken good and pork is good? There are two totally different things that are good in their own right. So I don't want you to think of these as substitutes or replacements because it's supposed to be so much better than the other thing or exactly like it that somehow you miraculously forget that it's not real pizza, real pizza, that it's not gluten pizzeria pizza. No, you're going to know you're eating a gluten-free pizza. You're going to know you're eating a low-carb pizza, whatever, however you're making that happen. The idea is to see if you like it. And that sounds crazy, but if you go into it not thinking this is my new pizza, I can only eat and like this pizza, and you're like, let's see how I like the way this tastes. And you just judge it at face value for what it is. Do I like this right now? And that is it. Not because it has to be something else or it has to somehow now make you hate pizzeria pizza because it's just that good. We're, we're, we're just expecting way so much more out of our food. Then am I enjoying it? You know, um, <clears throat> you, you have your favorite pizzeria. And you know, the pizza at this pizzeria has the best crust, nice and thin, really great, amazing, best sauce, whatever the hell it is. That doesn't mean pizza sucks everywhere else because it's not as good as your favorite pizzeria. It means right now, these are the options for pizzerias you got. And no one really complains. They're like, you know, it's just, it's not bad. It's just not my pizza. You know, we understand that things will be different but it doesn't mean they're bad. We put the, this sucks because it's gluten-free. Why do we do that? So <clears throat> minding your bite, 
And here, another example, if you think this sounds like, like if you're really throughout this call, I encourage you that you may hear me say stuff that makes you want to fight it or be defensive to it, but take it in, listen to it tonight, text me about it, and then listen to it again. Because no, it's never saying that we're getting rid of something completely. Like now you're never going to want regular pizza. It's saying that if you have the options of all the things that you like, even though they taste different and that they're fitting, they're, they're checking the boxes for your baby steps, they're easy, all this, that, the other thing. Why can't that be an, like something you eat regularly? And if that's the case, are you going to want the thing that's also delicious, but makes you feel like shit as much? by default, just by your personal preference. No, most of us will want the, the tasty thing that doesn't screw us hormonally and lets us get the results we want. But it's creating the opportunity to have all those options that makes that easier and getting there is often the hardest part because of resistance. So if you're wanting to resist this statement, I have a question for you. <clears throat> have you ever bought a shitty gas station or rest stop sandwich somewhere because you were absolutely starving and it's all that was available. Have you ever bought a meal that you were like, oh God, or at an airport or on a plane or some shit like that, somewhere where it's like, it'll do. All of us have. And not one of us sat there miserable. I mean, you can be miserable because it's gross and you paid for it, right? But it's not nearly the same as when we get something gluten-free and we don't like it. We tolerated that shitty subpar version because it's what's what was available. We like ate the soggy tuna sub that you got at like a 7-Eleven somewhere because we need, because I was like so starving, I was going to wring someone's neck in and moved on. We've all been there. We expect way too much out of the food that is supposed to help us fix these horrendous symptoms we live with. The expectations have to match the expectations. The good thing is you put the work in, you find ones that are fun and aren't so shitty to, to incorporate in your life. That's the goal. So we got, mind your bite. This next one here goes along with vessels. You guys, that's another Zoom. Vessels is a good one. <clears throat> a vessel, oh God, my voice. Vessels are the um flavor delivering component of a meal like the bread the pasta something that is basically pretty bland on its own but it it has a texture that houses or carries the flavor component um so if we focus on finding vessels that we like and replacing and that are gluten-free or uh low carb or fit our baby steps whatever if we focus on finding the vessel that we enjoy. This leads me to my next point. So be like Burva is the baby step that we will recommend when we're looking to help somebody, somebody substitute out bread and stuff like that. Now, if you're someone who runs out of the house in the morning and forgets to bring food with them, stop telling yourself, I got to stop doing that. You're not going to. I gave up a long time ago. That ship has sailed. I knew I was not going to be a planner and bring it with me type of person. I was a bring something that makes it easier to figure it out on the go kind of person, or I would just go for whatever was easiest. So be like Burva is the baby step we'll give. And where this originates from is I had a friend in elementary school named Burva Shaw, and I should probably let Burva Shaw know that I use this in 
my program, but every day Burba Shah's mom would send her to school with toast in foil for her breakfast, like buttered toast. It was wrapped up in tin foil and send her to school. And every day that Burva Shaw came into school, she would look for me and share her toast with me. I don't remember how that originated. I can probably assume I asked to have a piece. I'm just going to say it. So <laughs> I am me my whole life. Um, we would eat Burva's toast together before school in the cafeteria, a little, you know, elementary school kids. It's kind of cute. And I think about that when I tell you guys, because it's funny, right? Be like Burva. <laughs> but the point there is, Bring your own bread. It sounds so ridiculous, but why? Who gives a shit? Someone's gonna go, you know, someone's gonna have a real big issue with you taking a bun out of your purse and putting your sandwich on that instead. Do they wanna pay for this course? <laughs> you know, like, no, just to be a little sassy and honest, truly. Like, any, why don't we make them the weirdos? Who cares what we eat? Like, if you're gonna be so fixated because I'm taking out bread from my purse and eating it, like, obviously you're the weirdo. I'm just trying to eat. Um, so be like Burva. Bring bread out with you. If you know you're someone who you will not eat, you'll go all day without eating, or you're someone who will stop at a fast food place and eat something that will make you feel like crap. It's not that it's bad, but it's like it's breaking your hormone-friendly steps, something that you know is going to have ramifications. If you have the bread on you, go get that burger. Put it on that instead. Get a, uh, some kind of a sandwich somewhere. Put it on that. You know, um, Eat it with, you know, no more salads for lunch unless you want salads for lunch. You know how many times I see you guys have salads for lunch and then you'll be like, I broke my baby step later on. Salads, if you want it, in addition to good protein, bring bread with you so that anywhere you are, if you're going to get a salad, you might get grilled chicken on that salad, right? You throw it on that bun, eat, this, eat it as a sandwich in addition to the salad, right? Bring bread with you, be like Burba. This seems so silly but it eliminates so many issues of being out and not having options. And it's just bread. You put it in a sandwich bag. If you don't eat it, then you bring it home. You'll eat it later, but at least you have it with you. You're not relying on somewhere else carrying gluten-free or even better, nowhere really has low carb in store. Like you can now order gluten-free buns at a lot of restaurants, but they're not quite there yet with the gluten-free and the low carb. So you control the situation. Go for the flavor, go for the atmosphere, go for the participation, but utilize, you know, what you know as a good gluten-free bread option, good low-carb bread option, and join in, enjoy. It's a subtle tweak. Thoughts on that? What do we think about vessels and being like Burba? Sorry, that glare is just crazy. It literally looks like a circus in here and I absolutely love it. Anyone ever tried Jersey Mike's gluten-free bread, by the way? Don't, don't do it. It's not, it's not a relief that they offer it now. You might be grateful to see it on the menu. You won't if you order it. I literally wanted to call and complain and I'm not that person, but I wanted to be like, do you think we're dumb? Like, <laughs> why'd you make me pay extra for this? It's so gross. It is the worst gluten-free bread I've ever had in my life. And I've been gluten-free since I was 21. So <laughs> I've tried them all. Um, 
a lot of gluten-free breads are high in sugar and carbs. That is what we're talking about today. Yep. Is that that's why carbs are usually the first baby step out the door. It's the, the not maybe out the door, but it's the first baby step that is the hardest to maintain because it becomes easy to find gluten-free stuff that these days there's a market there. So now we're, we're good. They have tons of stuff, but it's like, it's not doing any good if it's loaded with sugar and loaded with brown rice and corn and all these high carb ingredients just to mimic the texture. It's like, are you doing worse? You know? So it can be really frustrating. So the bread and the purse definitely would have saved me a few times. And it's so simple. You know, um, I, it, it really, you feel good because you know, like you could just go out and eat, you know, you, you have options. Um, you could literally rip off the cheese from a slice of pizza and throw it on that bread and eat it, you know? And it's again, mind your bite. You might be sitting here thinking like, oh, God, I don't want to eat like that. Why not? You like the flavor of pizza, right? It's just up here. That's literally it. it it's just like these rules and rigid things that we're thinking of that if we're relying on, if we're enjoying eating it, that's, that's what matters. That's all that matters. So, um, okay. Moving on. These next two, these are new. I haven't done a Zoom on these at all. So we're gonna talk about them here. Try it till you find it and the lust list. Some of you I've asked for this lust list over the last week. So the lust list, when I was starting this out, this whole process out for myself, and I was like, no more bullshit. I am not doing this forever. I don't want to be a dieter for the rest of my life. I need to figure out how to make this strategic. Um, I made a list anytime I craved something, anytime I broke a baby step of my own and I would eat something that would make me sick, but I really liked it. Anytime I didn't know how to, how to duplicate anything, it went on this lust list. And all it was was a list of stuff that if I could snap my fingers and make that gluten-free or low carb or whatever the hell, I would. And then I made it my goal every week. I would either buy it pre-made or I would make it. So I would buy it or I would try to find a recipe and I would go one by one and I would try to make or remake something on that list. Now you guys have it easy because you hired me and you have Evie and you have Sophie and you got a whole team of people here who just want to give you those, give you that help. Um, but try it till you find it is the important concept here because do not get so discouraged if you try one thing and you use mind your bite and you real and you just, I don't like it. I hate it. Don't, it is not a feasible reason to stop buying gluten-free products to try. There are products that have gluten that you're going to try and you don't like it. And there are going to be products that are gluten-free or sugar-free or low carb and you're not going to like it. But I promise you, especially because it's so marketable these days, there are so many out there that you could try to say you tried one or two or three or five or, you know, whatever and be like, that's it. I'm going to write it all off as industries get better, formulas get improved. People leave reviews that tell the companies what they need to change. Companies lose money unless they change those things. All of this is constantly happening. I had one cinder block loaf of bread I had to drive 15 minutes away from when I went gluten-free. 
and, and, and the other night I made imported gluten-free pasta from Italy that I picked up at the store. They have gluten-free options almost everywhere you go, whether it's on a menu or not, you know, like it's all of these are changing. So to stay rigid, but also want change isn't going to work. Now, for the sake of budgets, you can't be just spending money all the time. You know, what if, screw it. If I don't like it, throw it in the trash. I get it. I hate wasting food. It really, it really bothers me. It turns my stomach. I can't stand it. Um, probably an OCD thing I inherited from mind your bite grandma. <laughs> that woman would save egg yolks for a year in the back of her fridge, but I digress. Um, the issue is I digress too hard. I don't remember what I was saying right before that. Things are always changing. Don't sell yourself short. Don't put yourself between either I eat the things that hurt me or I have to live on, on never enjoying anything sweet ever again because it's not going to work and you're going to feel stuck and it's going to make it feel really unbearable. Make it easy on yourself, okay? So find work towards it. Oh, I was saying spending all this money and whatever. You can do one a week. Nutrition. Nutrition, you can buy one bag of something before you buy a case of it in most cases. Like the most, I used cases in two different ways, really close together. Wow. But you know, the, the thing is just keep trying, keep thinking, how can I scratch that itch? How can I create something that is delicious instead? How can I, you can eat as much as you want of the hormone friendly version of something. It's worth figuring out because you, everyone who has issues with binging on here, if you trust yourself to gauge and monitor what you want to eat, how much you want to eat. And you say, all right, well, like if you had an allergy, you couldn't just, if I'm allergic to pineapple. I can't just eat pineapple because I want food freedom. It's different. I'm not trying to do it for being skinny. I'm trying to do it because I'm gonna have a freaking reaction that I don't wanna have. So find your staples that you like, that find your cravings, look on that lust list and prioritize it because that is what's gonna get you through, honestly. You need to have options available to you and more options than the ones that hurt you and options that are exciting. And the only way we do that is by trial and error, unfortunately. So making that, you, you, you would be in a program where you're working your ass off, you're doing cardio, you're, you know, you're barely eating all this, that, the other thing. We are not doing any of that, please, right? <laughs> no one's doing any of that. Um, so what's the point? The point is take all that work that you would have thought you needed to put into getting results, right? All that work and put it into trying out one indulgent recipe a week that's hormone friendly or buying one ready-made thing modeled after something you enjoy eating once a week. I'd say there are harder processes to do. Prioritize it for sure. And don't go into it thinking you're going to freaking love everything because you're definitely not. I have been there, been there. And that's the other thing, pick our brains. You don't even need to trial and error it. Make your lust list and send it over to us. If we know something that's comparable, we're going to suggest it, you know, but put the priority not in avoiding the fact that you like this stuff, put the priority in duplicating it so you can enjoy it more with less harmful effects to you. And when you do enjoy the real, the real version of those things, it's not going to affect you as much because you're good 90% of the time. Okay, 
let's get into the science of it. But I want to, I want to hear your feedback on this as well. So as I'm talking about the science part of it, I want you guys to tell me. So we already went through, we went through sugar, right? The other day we talked about it in the, uh, the carb baby step video. We talked about <clears throat> um, carbs in the carb video. I want to talk to you about gluten. So gluten, there is a lot of conflicting stuff out there. And I, I take it more seriously, I would say for my, I'm not a phrases. If I eat it, I get, I, I like bleed when I go to the bathroom. I don't, there's no non, there's no easy way to say that. So I don't eat it. It's really helpful. It's a really good incentive not to have gluten for me personally. For those of you who do not react that way, it can be more tricky <laughs> because it's a lot more of a maintenance inflammation kind of thing, which is why if you notice, it, this isn't always like the number one go-to when we assign you guys baby steps. You know, sometimes we'll maybe ask you, what do you, you know, do you want to go down that route first or last or whatever? Because it's an interchangeable one. Is it the end of the freaking world that while you're changing the other things that you have some glue in? No, you're working on other things. Um, is it something that we want to get to a point where it's not really in your everyday diet while feeling satisfied? No one freak out. We got alternatives. But you see the results that you get and maintain, not in just your weight, but everything. It's worth it. It's just hard to get to that point if you don't have a very strong reaction to gluten, which is possible. So some of you might be like, well, if I don't have a strong reaction to gluten, why do I got to be gluten free? Judge it for yourself. If you try it for a while and then you go back and you know, you're still doing all your other baby steps, but you're having gluten and you still do fine value that experience, but give yourself a chance to see what it's like without it first. Give how many of you guys have experienced that uh, comparison of life with gluten and life without it and recognizing that your stomach don't like it. <laughs> um, and this won't be everybody, but who in here has found that? Now I have colitis, it's my number one trigger, but <clears throat> I'm gonna explain to you why it it's, can cause systemic inflammation in anybody. So gluten. Gluten is the protein bond between two other proteins, gluten and gliadin. And this is found in flour. Now, the more we, when we add water to flour and we mix it, we agitate it, the more you agitate with, with fluid in, included, the flour, the stronger that bond becomes. That bond, that gluten bond, is what creates the texture in a product. So if you've ever seen before how uh, regular pasta has that chewiness to it, regular pizza crust has a chewiness to it, but then you have gluten-free pasta that's like crumbly or you know, it just doesn't stick together. That's because you're taking out the elastic bonding of the gluten itself. Likewise, you might see in some, gluten, um, some low carb products that are not gluten-free that it has just vital wheat gluten or something like that in the ingredients. That's because they isolate that elastic protein and add it back in, but with low carb flours and stuff, because you don't need the carbs for the texture. You just need the gluten. So just a little fun trivia. If you look at how they say on recipes for cake to just mix the cake to combine, but don't over mix, but then you see how they work the shit out of pizza dough and pasta. Think of the textures, cake, crumbly, light, fluffy, delicate. 
pasta, pizza, hard, rigid, crusty, bend, you know, flexible, stretchy. So when we eat this gluten, well, this gluten, any gluten, it ends up, even if you don't have celiac, it ends up causing slight um, disturbances to the cilia that line our esophagus because of that extreme elasticity and that bond, right? So as it makes its way down, it's damaging a little cilia, which are like little eyelashes that line your esophagus and part of your, your upper GI um, to pull nutrients and start you know, getting the process rolling. So that's first and foremost. So it affects the nutrient absorption we have. Plus, if you have Hashi or PCOS, you're already absorbing less nutrients. So most of us have gut issues. Um, <clears throat> a lot of that has to do with that. Oh God, we're on our way out. I'm trying to talk fast. <clears throat> so um, we, the food gets to our stomach and because gluten is such a, a tough bond, like you could literally make glue out of flour and water. <laughs> so we eat this glue <laughs> basically and it gets into our stomach. Now our stomach needs to use the stomach acid that we have to break down our food within a few hours. Any longer than that, you start to run into the issue of delayed stomach emptying, gastroparesis, other illnesses and stuff. We're really supposed to just move things along in about two to four hours at most, ideally. So when we gluten, gluten is so tough to break down that it can stay in there longer than that period of time. So if you've ever had pasta or pizza and felt like just like heavy, like like a ball, lead ball was in your stomach and you're just like, oh, I need to go lay down. All right. That's your stomach is really trying to break down the gluten. Now, when food stays in your stomach longer than that, imagine you were to leave a piece of meat or fruit or whatever in a plastic bag in your car in the sunlight at the height of summer. Gross. And it's going to start to break down. And as it's breaking down, it's releasing gases. These gases, if you've ever left like a bottle of fruit juice in your car in the summer or something, you see it start bubbling, like it looks like it's gonna blow, it creates pressure. So if you start feeling gas, if you start feeling bloating, things like that, it's literally the buildup of excess gas as this food is decomposing in your stomach because it's not moving along fast enough. So eventually, if you do not have delayed stomach emptying or gastroparesis, your body goes, I don't care, get out of here, hits the eject, it goes through into the next phase of your digestive system. And then when it gets there into the intestines, it's not broken down enough. It's not broken down as much as we would like it to be. So because there's all the little winds and twists and turns and crevices and all that throughout, it can cause a stretching of the intestinal lining. Now, this isn't like everything's getting all stretched out because you'd be like in a hospital on a gurney. It's not as intense as that, but it's buildable. Um, so over time, this stretching can cause little tiny microscopic lesions where little bits of matter, foreign matter, you know, from your stomach and your intestines can get out through. I'm not saying your bagel and schmear is down at your ankle here. I'm saying that you like little microscopic particles just escape through like debris. This debris, your body picks up on as a foreign object. And it does what it does with foreign objects. It rejects it. It sets up a full immune system response because it's not supposed to be there. And it ends up causing a reaction that makes our bodies the perfect atmosphere for more autoimmune illnesses to come because our body is not supposed to be in an immune state at that time. But if we're fighting off these random, you know, these excess particles that are in there, then 
it's gonna cause a reaction similar. Now, if you have an autoimmune illness, this is for, especially for those who it doesn't really affect your stomach too much. If you already have an autoimmune illness, being put into this immune state, this autoimmune state is going to cause a flare up of all of your symptoms. It's gonna cause the inflammation that continues keeping your, your illness active. So even if it's not causing diarrhea as like a, you know, an incentive to not eat it, keep it in mind, it's also not allowing the inflammation a chance to come down enough for you to, to reap the benefits of what you're doing. So this goes into the why today. Uh, you know, to close all this up, I still gotta tell you about taste buds, but to close all this up, this goes into the why. This is why we can't be focused on weight loss. This is why we can't be, we gotta be focused on how our body is working with what we're giving it systemically, because there's a biological process for everything. So if we look at what could be aggravating certain things and we're trying to enjoy our lives while still honoring the fact that these could be making things worse, that's the goal, right? So taste buds. Taste buds are like little memory banks on our tongue. And they're closely connected to memory stores in our brain, which is why you have nostalgia for food. It's why you could remember something you ate as a kid, you know, like all of those things. It's also the amount of endorphins and serotonin we release when we're eating something that we like, you know, something that is texturally satisfying or whatever. Now we derive, I, I mentioned this in the sugar video, we derive serotonin from carbs and we have the easiest time deriving serotonin from carbs when it's coming from sweets. Now, when you eat sweets, your tongue registers the flavor. Sweets, there's a few studies that like contradict this. So I, I'm going on based on what I could see being the case, but this isn't something I'm totally sold on research-wise. It's just not enough. But um, there's a lot of chatter about sugar being a neuroexciter to the point of possibly becoming a toxin in that eventually, if you've noticed, sweetness, like it just kind of begins to become an elevation of like how sweet you need something to be satisfied with it. But those of you who have gone sugar-free in here, have you noticed that after a while, something that you used to love that was super sweet is now just too intense for you. That's because if something is a neuroexciter, like let's say MSG, if you see, you know, no MSG in all the restaurants and stuff like that. MSG is very similar to sugar in that it's a neuro exciter. It makes, it connects to your brain. Your brain goes, Ooh, this is good. This is really flavorful. This is good. Keep it coming. You know? And then there you go. That's the amount of sweetness your, your taste buds will need to register that same reaction, that same like preference taste. When you stop eating sugar as much, your taste buds repair, their senses repair all of that. You know, they're, they don't require that same level of excitement that they needed before to be satisfied. So it's just interesting. Like it's not doing anything detrimental. It's just changes you can probably see as you get more accustomed to sugar-free products. Um, but yeah, let me get through this before I totally lose my voice and see these messages. I love pasta lasagna, so I'm stoked to make those zucchini roll-ups. Yeah, super easy. My, my father-in-law actually made the, those for me a couple weeks ago and I thought it was so genius. He just took a veggie peeler peeled across the widest part of a zucchini, rolled up some ricotta in it and like, you know, seasonings and stuff, and then rolled it up, put it in sauce and baked it. I'm sure there was much more to it, but that's the gist of what 
arrived at my house. It was really good. That's where it kind of gets hard for me. A lot of low carb gluten-free stuff does have nuts, eggs, dairy. I have allergic reactions and way too sensitive to some of them. This is totally a workaround thing though. That's absolutely perfect that you brought that up. So this is goes along with the try it till you find it. And now I'm not saying have allergic reactions till you find it. I'm saying we can look together for stuff that fits that bill. It's probably you're gonna try a few shitty ones before you find one you like because you're removing a lot of like texture components. So allergen catering is always harder, but it's not impossible. Again, think of that effort of what we used to do to ourselves, you know, in the gym, how little we'd eat, fighting urges to, to not starve, you know, and redirect that energy into, I'm going to try every week, every two weeks, three weeks to try one substitute until I find one I like. It's going to feel great when you do, because it's just such a relief, but I'm pretty sure base culture is nut free. If you don't get the seven seed and nut one, I'm pretty sure, or the carbo knot might be nut-free, dairy-free, egg-free. Um, that's why I freak out about them because I think of you guys, freaking smart buns. Um, my stomach bloats so bad. Yep, not tummy, but pain, inflammation. So also all of that excess inflammation in your system, if you're in here for chronic pain, for joint pain, for um, just for constant migraines, for a lack of flexibility, for a number of things, hair, skin, eyes, mood, all of it can be attributed to inflammation. Um, if you have illnesses that flare up, colitis, vitiligo, uh, vitil how do I say it right? Because I always feel like I screw it up, but you know, the pigmentation issues, psoriasis, whatever, all of that is improved by reducing inflammation. So just if your tummy doesn't spaz out, good for you, because that sucks. But um, there's a, you got other skin in the game for sure there. Gluten-free for six years and don't miss it because it hurts me so badly. It is no longer food for me. Mm -hmm. I went gluten-free several years ago and tried it a few times since. And I'm so convinced it's not for me. Bad, bad. Mm -hmm. I, I went so long and I finally gave in. I was really pissed off because I left my insulin pump in Mexico. If those Any of you guys remember that? Well, technically Dallas coming back from Mexico like the worst day ever. And I was so upset that I was like, screw it. It can't get any worse. So tell me how I ate a bag of pretzels and pita chips. It wasn't even good and had to stay in the bathroom on the airplane, pissing everyone else off the whole flight home. Pita chips and pretzels. That's it. That, that's what I pushed the envelope with. It's easy to do gluten-free in Mexico. You just, you know, swap out for corn tortilla, most of it. I'm still unsure of how it affects me, but to my, my, but by my overall inflammation reduction from cutting it out, I would definitely say it somehow has some effect. Post those face pictures, those side-by-sides in CCA. That's all inflammation, all that. So I know you're not trying to kill me, <laughs> Addy. So, yep, really trying, I promise. <laughs> um, so, okay. Now, I feel like I'm forgetting one thing. Oh, this is a huge thing. Especially for my KGG clients who have been in, at this for a while. I want you to know and take comfort in this. Backsliding happens to every single one of you. And it is not because 
you're just incapable. Anybody who's in CCA, if you continue into the future program and do KGG, whether you go on your way and we part ways, everybody has a backslide. It is human nature. You're programmed one way for decades. And then the ending of an era, the ending of a process of whatever, we, it's just a human nature thing. We kind of forget and backslide. I will say though, even if you do not backslide on everything, tell me if you can agree with this, even CCA people in the past, carbs are the first thing to backslide on, especially gluten-free carbs, like fries, chips, gluten-free breads that have 30 grams of carb in one slice, you know, like, um, gluten-free snacks. I mean, hell, just, you know, chocolate, a Snickers bar is gluten-free, right? Um, I have definitely, definitely had issues with that in the past, especially with fries. Oh my God, it's so easy. I have them one day. I'll find a way to have them the day after the next or the day after that. I'll have a couple. It won't be a couple. It is one of my big, biggest binge triggers is potatoes. And it's because it's gluten-free. It's because I won't have freaking diarrhea if I eat that. You know, it's because, so it takes a lot more thought. And with that comes a lot more mindset work because that's where these tools can be useful. It is hard. It's allowed to feel annoying that we have to do this and so many other people don't. That's all valid and all true, but it also doesn't change the fact that we deserve to live better, happier, healthier lives. And finding a way to do that in a way that we enjoy doing is worth the hard work of figuring it out. And we've all done harder shit. So to end this Zoom that ended up becoming way longer than I wanted, sorry guys, I'm talkative, but to end the Zoom, I wanna tell you, I don't care if you were with me for a day so far, if you've been with me for four years, five years, whatever. I don't have ego about this. My one and only concern, Evie and Sophie's only one and one concern is that we help teach you guys how to be consistent. We will never shame you for not knowing how to do any of these baby steps. So next week we focus on self-sabotaging thoughts as our final baby step week. Um, and then we'll start a new series. I can't wait to tell you more about. So any questions or thoughts after the Zoom, please shoot me a text, any one of us a text um, and let us know and enjoy the rest of your Sunday night.